Well, yes, yes. Good morning again to Arts About with Moi Swanee. Uh, Arts About is brought to you by the generosity of the McClellan Sculpture Park and Gallery. And we're back in the, the RPP studios with artist in residence and cultural sounding board, John Baird. Good morning, John. Morning, Swan and Mark. Good morning, and John. And the thermodynamic Mark Stewart. Why have they called you thermodynamic Mark? Do you have a piece of plutonium in your pocket or something? Uh, in my heart. A but, cold. Um, we're just looking for words. I, I, I think we need to change that one to something else. We need to upgrade, I think. Words or suggestions would be handy. Can mm. anybody explain to me why I put a pair of long trousers on this morning? Because you were going to the radio station. You didn't want to be sitting in here with a pair of shorts on. Yes, but it's such a hot day. Mm. Is it? Now, what will we be listening to from you to this morning? John. I'm going to talk about, ultimately, I'll be talking about uh, Jasper Johns and uh, some interesting background sort of stuff there. Good. Uh, but I also want to talk about some of the uh, lesser known and uh, less um, advertised shows at NGV at the moment, which are quite good. Excellent. That actually sounds like it could have some content. It could. Well, you never know. You never know. Yeah, but not much. And meaning. <laughs> and Mark. That I, jail narrator was pretty good, wasn't it? Nicely written. Yes, yeah, somebody... But I reckon whoever wrote that just copied it off the side of the container. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that's not true. It's a very good syntax. <laughs> I, actually, I actually gave them from our family to yours. Yeah. That's pretty good, isn't it? Bad. Mm. Bad. So, uh, moving on, I'm yeah. going to be speaking about, um, well, steam engines and Ugboots. Speed, uh, so steampunk? Uh, no. Do you know about steampunk? I don't, actually. Do steampunk know? is a uh, kind of uh, cultural design form which involves uh, Victorian machinery and um, modern design. So... Uh, people who they're a bit like sort of hipsters they, they wear beards and uh, little caps and stuff and yeah. they make artwork out of cogs and steam engines a lot of, a lot of brass and, and dials sounds like think, Robert Clipple well, mm-hmm. well yeah except his is static it all works oh it works yeah. okay it's fine for you Mark yes Sonia just think Jules Verne Jules Verne you remember those great movies oh, yeah, of the 60s machine. with the big bro ah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah yeah that's the one I'm thinking more Thunderbirds, but anyway. Now, sorry, did I interrupt you? No, no I'm, I'm done. Again, we're playing from the B list. That's right. the BT list. Brendan Telfer, station yeah. manager extraordinaire. This one has the word French in it, and that's why I chose it for you, Mark. Yeah. I have no idea. So it's all a brand new experience for us and probably the rest of our listenerhood. And who, who are, to whom are we listening? Uh, well, it says Balti Soul. And in what context does it have the word French in it? It says Balti Soul. This is Harold Balti or <laughs> Henry Balti. <laughs> Wasn't he a beauty, Henry Balti? Oh my God! What is it? Sydney girls are way out front, but we've got Henry Balti. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a listen to Balti Soul. Well, that was rather sudden, wasn't it? I'm not sure that's what the producers came up with. No, I just hit a button and bang, hmm. goes the was Ferrari. Was that Betty Lovett or someone like that? It was someone very cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, lovely piece of music. It was from the B-List. Have you heard that Betty Lovett song? She put out an album of um, Bob Dylan songs. 
all was Bob Dylan songs. I was just thinking that perhaps all radio programs could operate like that, just um, random. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. They probably do. <laughs> well, yeah, they do, but then they ram an ad in there. Yeah, that was nice and exciting. Mm. Now, what are you going to talk about, chaps? You're, you're the artists. I went to the NGV the other day, and uh, I was just creeping around out in the back rooms out there. They've got a um, an exhibition of Indian, contemporary Indian art, and uh, it's not something that springs to mind. It certainly isn't. You, I um, mean, we're always so used to traditional Indian stuff that we, we don't think that they've progressed past the 13th century, do Well, we? as it turns out, I think they're better at that uh, ah. because the contemporary stuff, uh, it, they sort of just, they turn their back on their own history and culture and uh, lean very heavily on the Americans and the Europeans for uh, cues in contemporary art and uh, it's certainly more successful where they uh, rely on their own cultural heritage but you would have seen some of it, Mark. There's, you've seen the gilded Vespa. With oh, my the God. If I see that gilded Vespa, then I'm going to <laughs> blow it up. That's, yeah. uh, I was going to, the first person I was going to mention was uh, Gupta, Subdam Gupta, whatever his name is. He had right. an exhibition up there in that sort of um, <clears throat> the room on the second floor that they've created where there's no lights, no, no windows. Those mm. And it was all of his stuff. It was all sort of gilded and silvered kitchenware and things. Which he had a huge wall of kitchenware. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's obviously not in this show because they haven't got a big enough wall for it. But they've got the Vespa in there, have they? They have. Because the, the Vespa's in there all the time anyway. Yes. In, but they the have uh, also some uh, kind of uh, ceramic, Indian ceramic that's contemporary but relies quite heavily on um, earlier Indian ceramics. And uh, some prints, which are quite good. So their drawings, they look like they're um, <clears throat> perhaps the sketches that people who made those carvings on temples in India might have used. In it's a template. To, yeah. Um, but they're modern drawings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some really quite beautiful objects printed on rattan, which I really loved. Mm. Right, so Sorry, objects printed on images. Well, images, yeah, printed on rattan. Which, like, you make normally make chairs out of, don't you? Well, yeah, or rugs, you know, floor rugs. The Indians make floor rugs out of it, and uh, someone's used these to um, make print. images on, print images on, and they were terrific. Whereabouts is the show in the engine? In the uh, Asian section of the gallery. Okay. Do you the guys... Port- so do you have a free pass to the... And, yeah, well, yeah. I'm a member. Um, don't it cost you $70 for the year. And you, and can you get absolutely the, nothing. You get nothing. Well, you can use the, the coffee shop. Yes. Which you can walk into anyway, but um, but both at Fed Square. But they're, they're lovely little spots. But we do go to the openings, Swan. Some of them. Some and of them. swan around. Yeah. Carry the, on. Sorry. The, so the, the Asian section in the Pauli, Pauline Gandel part yes. as well? Well, okay. that's the Japanese gallery, so yeah. just ahead of that. Yeah. Um, and around the back of the Great Hall, around the um, corridors around the back there, there's some um, Venetian glass at the moment. Absolutely beautiful stuff. Murano? Well, in some of it, yeah. Exquisite. And I love the way they... Um, some of them are little blocks of coloured glass that have all been sort of welded together and then blown up into a bowl, so mm. you get that sort of... Mm. They, don't, they don't look unlike those um, chessboards that I saw at your place recently. Mm. 
Mm. In that kind of wavy line through the squares thing. Oh, yeah, I look forward to seeing that. Mm. But this is a, it's Venetian glass made by, not by Venetians, it's made by different people from around the world. Uh, there is some Austrian stuff there, but it's mostly Murano. Okay. Yeah. Mm, good. Mm. I find glass just in itself such a cold, such a difficult uh, medium to really warm to, isn't it? Uh, so, I can think it can be beautiful. What, what about those masks that we saw? At the, but they were fiberglass, apparently. They weren't yeah. glass. Yeah, but they looked like glass. They did. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, do you like glass in its utilitarian well, context? Uh, certainly for windows. But um, <laughs> I mean, like the Scandinavian glass vases and stuff. Some of them, some of them can be super, superb. But they can mm. be beautiful. But uh, just the the medium itself, mm. I find. Extremely cold, and and there's something about it that I find that. that what about those uh, lovely fluted green butter dishes that you can get with a glass lid on them? But look, it's, there's, there are obviously examples of beautiful glassware. The initial idea for me is that if I'm going to have a me- work with a medium, I want the medium to have a um, a, a value that, that lives by itself, and I don't think glass does. Okay. I think glass has, that it is really utilitarian. So you don't want to work with any glass blowers? No, no. I've got to limit myself, John. I mean, the thing about carving stone is that you've got you, the, the, your initial um, response is to the stone itself, to the beauty of the stone, and how you work on it is secondary in many. I mean, obviously not in the long term, but, you, but the idea is of the, the beauty of the material. As working with oil paints, it's the, that, that the magic of the oil mm. paint that gives me the desire to. to use you don't it. think there's intrinsic beauty in a blob of glass? No. <clears throat> right. I saw a tube of oil paint the other day, Mark, in Melbourne at an art supply store, made by... <sighs> Windsor and Newton? No, no, hand, there's a handmade people... Tom Harding or something, or uh, made in England. Uh, handmade uh, Madder Rose... Uh, Seven hundred dollars. Eight hundred. Eight hundred dollars. And the guy said, <laughs> "The guy said, well, that's not the most expensive one. There's there are more expensive ones, but we can't afford to carry them. No, there's the lapis lazuli. I think yeah. order them in. Yeah. Wow. Mm. That's for the big timers, isn't and it? And I said, who buys them? And he said, uh, people buy them as gifts for hobby artists. You know, luxury gifts for <sighs> hobby artists. Why don't they just sponsor a child? Well, yeah. Well, give, uh, yes. Why don't they swan? Yeah. <laughs> Aren't there too many children? Swan? I don't there think are. that, but you do. Mm. Uh, um, no, look, look, you have to have these high-quality paints. I think a lot of uh, people, miniaturists, buy, buy them. Yeah, in People miniature. are using very small amounts. Yeah. You look at um, Van well, Eyck and company. This, these tubes were huge. They were big tubes. The $800 tube is a big tube of paint. And you would never, you wouldn't use it all in your life. No. Okay. You only need a tiny little bit to completely and absolutely stuff all your clothes and cover your house in red. <laughs> now, chaps. Yes, Swan. As you know, I'm the master of the decks here. Yes. And I'm having a little trouble with the B list. Oh, you can't make it happen. That no, doesn't look, matter. What are you, gonna, what are you reading? I think I'm good. Though? I think I've mastered it. Oh. But um, everybody hold on to their seats. I think this is Black Limousine oh. by the Rolling Stones. Right. And now it's time for John, John on. Well, that worked very well, didn't it? Yeah, yeah there it is. Now, John, you're on. Jasper Johns. Uh, and Jasper Johns, it, it's interesting to me 
that uh, he, as a young man, he met um, Mr. Rauschenberg. Ralph. Was, who was quite a well-known artist uh, by then, by the time they met. And they uh, got together and started living in the studio together and doing their gay thing. And uh, was, it, was John Cage there or not? Not at that point. No. Uh, but Leo Castelli turned up to see what Rauschenberg was doing and the studio was full of what Jasper Johns had been doing, which was those big encaustic flags mostly, some targets, and he was just completely bowled over by them. And he said, right, well, I can put you up, I can put you up in an exhibition. And uh, they had a solo show of his work and in the first solo show that he ever had, which was only a couple of months after meeting Castelli, um, four paintings were sold to the Museum of Modern Art because of those connections, presumably. And um, that's a remarkable feat, actually. And remarkable and also, sorry to drop it, also um, worthy. Oh, you like his work? I do, yeah. very much so. Um, you don't? Uh, I, it, yeah, I, I like it, but I don't think it has... It, the kind of clout that one would expect for work that has so much historical import, it would seem, and market power as well. Yeah, very, very expensive. You know, he um, he produces maybe one or two paintings a year, sometimes none. Well, I think he's uh, must be <clears throat> into his nineties by now, even if he's. Yeah. Not, and but he's that's been going on for a long time. That's been going on since the seventies. Yeah. Well, no. So I think I know he bought a hundred-acre farm in Connecticut, upstate Connecticut, yeah. upstate New York. Mm. and spends a lot of time there and doesn't really have to worry too much about what, what he's making. His he, last paintings, sorry, were, were the... Remember the, there was a target with a finger and they were quite figurative in a way, mm-hmm. not not as strong as... His the ones that are sought after are the targets and numbers and flags. Flags, yeah. yeah. They're quite beautiful. The, the, way he, the, you know, the way he's put the paint down, you know, as you mm-hmm. know, encaustic is a very difficult medium to work with. Indeed. Mm. Now how about this one? Yep. Three of uh, he has three times been the most uh, achieved the biggest prize for a living artist. No wonder he three only paints one painting per year. But I heard he was the laziest man in art. Is that true? Yes. Uh, Marcel Duchamp was considered the laziest. <laughs> yeah. He was too busy playing chess. He was with topless girls. He hasn't seen that one. No, but no. Jasper John's um, the last sale. Uh, that sent him skywards 110 million for a painting um, but interestingly whilst he's been um, up there with the prices at auction houses the three paintings that he's achieved the highest price of a living artist with have all failed subsequently when they've been resold so yes well did any of you ever read a book called The Painted Word by Tom Wolfe Tom Wolfe yep mm. Yes, caveat emptor, I'd say. He yep. had a sharp tongue, didn't he, Tom Wolfe? He Tom sure was good. He, he was, was incisive. Good. Yeah, no, he's very good. I, 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 uh, he, he didn't accept it. The, um, but, but as we've said before on, on the show, that, that the um, price was... What was your word for the price, John? The, the swing the, tag. The swing tag. And that it's it's more about how much people... You know, people are talking about how much they paid for painting Correct. rather than the painting itself. Um, uh, just to let our listeners into the Tom Wolf yes uh, point arena <laughs> the Wolf's Den he wrote a book called The Painted Word which is essentially saying that the more talk the higher the price 
um, thus the title. Right. And it's often something that we all suspect. I would have I would have thought that Jasper Johns is the uh, the opposite of that. He's not a, he's not a highly talked about artist. No, he's got a lot of profile. There's been a lot of... Because he was revolutionary in his time. He created quite the fuss. Yeah, and I disagree with that too. I don't think he was revolutionary. Yeah. No, no, he wasn't. He was the end, he was the end of, the, of the American movement. The pop that, movement. That, well, yeah, he moved into a, into a sort of a morphic. But I, I still appreciate his paintings, but I, I, you know, he, did, he was the end of the movement. Right. There was, I used to think of think? them as being almost entirely decorative, Jasper John's paintings. And right. then I saw one in the Beauborg Museum in Paris, a white flag in wax, and it blew my mind, man. It was really quite sort of stunningly... It was about it was about love and uh, and hiding things. It's quite a shame, really. You often have to separate the fuss from the, the object because, as you say, many, most artworks are absolutely beautiful, aren't they? But the fuss and the murmur... Is often well. The marketing quite, is extremely yes. important. I mean, when you when you listen to John talking about Castelli coming in and and you know a couple of months later he's gone from being nowhere. Well, I don't, maybe he wasn't nowhere, but he was living with Rauschenberg. He must have been fairly he obvious. Was Rauschenberg's boyfriend? Yeah. Okay. Well, that would have that that's a really good career move. Uh, <laughs> especially yeah. if you're gay so uh, it, he was doing the right thing so so it's hard he, work if you're not no it's very true <laughs> painful and so he he, he moved on uh, and Leo made you know, made his name, and Leo yeah. was the man of the of the time. So ultimately, maybe conversations like this need to be about people like Costelli, who uh, the amount of power that he had in the art world was absolutely mind blowing, and the critic too. What was his name? Clement Greenberg. Yeah, yeah, and Harold um, Harold. Um, he was also very good. I'm pretty sure Greenberg didn't accept that uh, Jasper Johns was sort of worthy of the no, attention that he was getting. No, Green, Greenberg sort of he was more about the abstract expressionists and the yeah. complete absence of line and, and as flat as possible. He was very much, very intellectual about the whole the whole right. affair. But look, just to get back to this whole pricing and, and how you, know, you have you have moments where people people who have, have extraordinary power and, and um, sell a lot of paintings, like this guy uh, uh, Messonnier I was talking about in right. France, who was huge in the, in the end of the 19th century and yet completely forgotten about now. And, you, and, and you know, I don't know if this is going to happen with Jasper Johns or you know, who's going to come, who's going to keep going? Who's well, going to last? Well, presumably at those prices they'll be keep getting They'll circle through the auction houses, and that keeps the... Well, as you said, it's already failed, so it'll just fail again. It'll just keep going down, Right, I, I would say. Mm. As, as those who remember fade away, do you think that's it? Modern memory? Well, some artists past? don't fade current, away. Current memory. Well, it's funny you should say that, because you never hear the Beatles anymore on the radio. Uh, no, well, thank God. We had enough of that. You don't hear them, but um, I know for, for say, but my my sons, the Beatles are extremely important as mm. an influence on on composition, musical composition. Their chords and the, they're very important. Mm. So you might be listening to their music, but their music is filtering through to others through. And this is, I think, another point that if you look at Michelangelo's sculptures. If you're a sculptor or even have a little bit of knowledge about sculpture, what you're seeing is process, and that's what keeps these um, objects alive, is that you're, you, the impressionists have a very similar way. 
Picasso also, you're seeing the thing made in front of you. Yeah. It hasn't been covered up. It hasn't been finished completely. And you, and so you can be a part of it. And so this gives them life, I think. So we're, you know, it's a, like the difference between hyper-realism and, and a sketch. I love that thing about being able to get in the space that the artist was in, mm. you know, standing in front of a painting or standing near a, a terrific sculpture or something like that. There's a real thrill in that for me. Yeah. And a lot of modern art... Um, doesn't offer that because no, the artist hasn't been anywhere near it. <laughs> no, uh, also, and, and he's talking about something which is politically politically correct at the time. He or she? She, and so uh, let's get through. We um, they get lost. They, they're, they're so much a part of their time. They get stuck in their time. Right. I think that's the big problem. Um, and art should transcend all that. And I'm just thinking, chaps. Hmm. I've got a perfect segue from Michelangelo to Peninsula Curtains. Well, if you hadn't already guessed, that song was called Do It With Madonna off the Brendan Telfer B-list by the Androids. I can just see Brendan listening to that at home, staring at the Madonna poster on the wall. Madonna, the performing artist, or uh, Uh, Notre Dame? (laughs) Mark. Steam engines and Ugg boots. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I'm a bit excited by this. Ugg boots. What a link. The last king of the last incarnation died in a town square in Cusco, Peru. Yeah. His people had held out from the Spanish for 40 years, but amid lamentations that deafened the skies, Tupac Amaru was executed and Mel Gibson arrived. In the years after Amaru's death, temperatures in Europe plunged. Across the continent, livestock died <clears throat> um, in fields, and the old and young perished in the worst winter anybody could remember. In Europe? In Europe. Yeah. Even the channel froze. You probably heard about the Little Ice Age. In the, the Little Ice so, Age, yes. yes. This happened, new research, research, research contends. Is that a French word, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> it is. In the indigenous towns and fields, emptied by the massacre of the peoples of the Americas, vegetation had returned, sucked up carbon, and had sucked up carbon from the atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Okay. For the people of the New World, the arrival of the Europeans was nothing less than apocalyptic, as you probably know. We've been in the same place. After Columbus landed, the population fell by 90%, with an estimated 55 million people succumbing to smallpox, bigpox, and conquest. Bigpox? Yes, and poxpox. There had been 60 million people living... In the living there, just yes. less than Europe with 80 million, mm-hmm. but we're using twice as much land. Now, all that land was fallow. Nature returned, creeping over the pyramids of the Aztecs, the temples of the Maya, and the mountain fortresses of the Chacapoyas, however you say it. According to calculations... Excuse me, it's... Uh, thank you. According <laughs> to the calculations of the Quarterly Science Review, 56 million hectares would have returned to jungle in the decades following Chris's accidental discovery. And this was bad for Europe. And the carbon it sucked up may have helped cause what in Europe is known as the Little Ice Age in the middle of the 17th century was marked by a global temperature drop of at least 0.5 degrees centigrade but its its effects were disproportionately felt in Europe. Famine, disease and child mortality rose but this was when the steam engine was invented and Ugg boots were invented. Ugg boots? Ugg boots. Where were Ugg boots invented? 
No, I'm joking, John. Oh. So, but moving on to China. I would have thought Ugg boots were invented in South America before they were all slaughtered. Well, in the Americas, of course, the moccasin. Moccasin, mm. yeah. Look, there could be a connection. Mm. Well, it's just... It's a bit Tomatoes. of hide wrapped around your foot. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. no, you know, I'm sure it occurred to me. Smelly hide. Simultaneously. Mm. Yep. Anyway, what you, what, what, uh, in all this shuffling of paper is no, about... What's, yes, I can... The, it's the about article really. is about yes. the Middle Kingdom masterworks, which are on show in Sydney at the... Which Middle Kingdom? China. Okay. China. I've heard um, a bit about this. Yeah. Now, there's a, there's a lovely photograph of one of the most famous pieces of um, ob- objects come, which have come out of the... This is all from um, the National Palace Museum in Taipei, mm. which were brought out before Mao came into, came into being. The, one of the most popular pieces is a piece of reddish jasper, smaller than the palm of your hand, carved during the Qin dynasty in the extraordinary likeness of a piece of soya-soaked braised pork. Mm. There's a photo. Lovely thing. On radio, it works very well there. That's it looks like something that was removed from me at the age of 17. Yeah, absolutely. And it's oh, just, you, you know, often see pictures of that in the Epicure pages of a newspaper. Yeah. And there's another celebrated piece, which is an olive stone. So mm. that's pretty small. Carved by Chen Zhu Cheng in 1737 into a boat containing eight passengers seated on chairs and eating from dishes. Yeah, and the, well, door, and the but, door opens on the side. Beneath it are inscribed 300 plus characters from a famous ode composed by Su Shi in 1082 that describes an excursion with friends on the Yangtze River sailing past the site of the Battle of the Red Cliffs. This is all on an olive pit. Yeah. This is all on an olive pit. I've seen the rice carvings. Carvings of the Japanese. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to see them in a... Yes. Um, but, yeah, this is worth going to Sydney to see, I think, the olive, olive pip with the eight sailors. Perhaps surely could, they could bring it down here. Perhaps you could do a selfie with it. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking my filling. <laughs> So, uh, yes, apparently that's a very good show to see. There are um, paintings, books, bronzes, ceramics, jade and wood and wood carving. Do you know that olive pip, the door does in fact open to reveal the eight uh, passengers within. There's a little door on the side. Did you really know that, John? I'm talking about it on some other radio show. See, this is a lesson in absurdity, surely. That's why we're so amused and that's why we're talking about this. But it must be also an extraordinary work of meditation. Well, I think it's the... Um, Did you like that? Meditation. Yeah, not bad, not bad. But um, all um, sculpting, painting is actually a work of meditation. Of course it is. All, I will put it to you, sir, that all activities that require focus without mindfulness are meditation. Right. Even your telephone? Even gardening, Not definitely not your telephone. No. No. I wouldn't have described making art as um, without focus. Uh, no, it's got fo- all focus, mm. no mind full of what am I going to eat for dinner, Where? what about so-and-so, okay. are they coming right. back into my life, what am I going to do for a so job? So you rid yourself of the world. You do. It yeah. falls away and the universe enters through the top of your head. Right. I believe so. That's why I've got this spot here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see a target up it's there. A yet, rece- it's a receiver. <laughs> you need to get a target tattooed in the top of your head. Yeah, a little so. yamaka. Yeah, a little bit of good. Yeah. So, um, I've got a little bit more to talk Please. about. Is any of this Christopher Heathcote? 
Christopher Allen, you mean? Yeah, Christopher Allen. No, that wasn't Christopher Allen. That was somebody else. Right. Uh, ran somebody else. But this is more to normally. It's Christopher Allen. Yeah, my good friend Christopher Allen hasn't been. He, I mean, he must have been. He must be travelling. Mark, can you up. not get so excited and just stay reasonably close to your microphone? No, the, look, I think you need microphones that follow people around. Well, they'll yeah. invent them soon, they I'm will. sure. Because they're, they're, they're called yeah. drone phones. No, no. <laughs> Are they? Yeah, yeah, they do. So, look, I was talking about latency. Yes, latency. Yes, and you probably don't know what it is, do you? Well, I know what the word means, but well, I don't know what it means in context. Well, it means in, for 5G latency. I'm talking. I'm going on about 5G again. F- phones. Phones. Yes, right. Who I, who I, which I would love to know how to pronounce that. Huawei. Huawei. For, for the sake of our listening audience, can we also, if, we, if you just get carried away there, can we explain why it's called latency? Because I'm confused. No, I'm, this is why I'm trying to explain Excellent. to you. Oh, but thank you. Keep interrupting me. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, latency. So, what I'll do is I'll go back into a bit of history. 1G was organized in, was invented in 1981 okay a digital system was invented in 1991 2G allowing for much higher number of phones what does the G refer to they don't say if it's just an analog system for transmitting voice it was named yeah. IG retroactively then the start of the, of the smartphone area era was in 1998 3G and then we had uh, 4G in 2010 oh, oh. okay I would imagine G stands for generation, surely. Don't know. Oh, yeah. Anyway, 5G, which I keep trying to tell people, is extremely um, uh, important for the future, as it's going to. You know, the whole idea of latency is that the delay between sending and receiving a sing- signal will be there won't be any. Right. You'll get it immediately. So okay. it must travel at the speed of light, therefore. Very fast. Yeah. Very fast. And how why? Uh, how we? They're not allowed to do it here, are they? They've been banned from... People have been saying... The, the Americans have been on, onto them for about the last five to ten years. Yeah. Uh, but the big um, change was when the Chinese government uh, public, publicly said that every company, whether private or governmental, has to work with the intelligence agencies of China. I have a device in my bag, which is a portable battery for a smartphone, so Mm. that if it runs out of charge, I can plug it into this thing and get Mm. some charge out of it. Mm. And it has Huawei written on the side, and I thought, oh, the Chinese are listening to... What I'm up to. Well, look, this is the thing about the 5G sensors. Not that I care. The Chinese can listen to anything I'm doing. Well, exactly right. Mm. No, but this is, this is, again, it's not the problem. It's not based I on, know, we on know. what we're listening to. It's that they're using, they're monetizing, like Facebook. Data, they're data, all monetizing data, data. Facebook. Correct. Someone asked data. me yesterday about this. I said, it's just, it's all about consumerism. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But it's funny how we are now living the dystopian novels of our Absolutely. childhood. Absolutely. We are no longer citizens. But the remarkable... We are now consumers. No, no, you're not even a consumer. You are a product. You are the product, John. That's what's happened. Please, Mark, if I have to restrain you one more time... (laughs) Now, I know... Just put a pin in that for a second. I understand I've been interrupting you a little bit. But it's funny how back in the 70s we resisted this... this exploitation and we didn't oppression. resist anything there was no exploitation but then. now it's just oh yeah where do I sign yeah, exactly it? free it's yep. free so well that's because we didn't want to be exploited by products you know we, we wanted to be free of the yeah. um, we were uh, above that we used to call a yeah. TV an idiot box but that's for, because all the stuff was crap 
Now that, that, that it's good stuff, we what, all want it. What about Get Smart? Well... Oh, you mean all the advertised... No, I mean crap. like plastic radios and... Yeah. yeah. I loved my first Japanese transistor. I thought it was an amazing thing. Did it have a leather case? It did. Mm. Yes, it did. That's, I, I loved it. That you is know, the thing about can I tell you something about transistor radios? Poor old Mark. Go on. Yeah, go on. Sanyo, who invented the miniature transistor radio... Uh, yes. made this tiny little radio and uh, they had sent their salesman out to sell it but uh, they sold it as a device that fitted into the top pocket of your shirt but it didn't they had to make big pockets on the shirts of the salesman so that it would fit in there smart <laughs> is that true because that's a great thing mm, it isn't is true it? Yeah. It, yeah so you ready uh not as insidious as the dancing duck no but look the 5g networks um, rather than operating from a central location, 5G network sensors are pushed to endpoints such as refrigerators, thermostats, aircraft, <coughs> factory machines, auto- autonomous vehicles, and things we haven't yet conceived that will be tied into the 5G network. Now, I've, I've been trying to, I'm trying to clarify this, but you, what it means is that all the lights, of, uh, you know, all the, the street mm-hmm. lights, all mm-hmm. the uh, lights, the red lights on and on. Um, yeah, crossroads. Yeah. Yep. All the cars, all, all the systems will be involved in one system, in the five G. Okay, so the, the, what they're saying is the who who I or the Chinese could put in little you know, switches on and off switches into the into their machinery and, and control and it, control it, yeah. shut it down if they want. This is what they're concerned. Well, about. the Americans have been able to do that with the GPS systems for years. Um, Two wrongs don't make a right, John. I don't need to remind you of that, do I? No, I no, nearly went there with the, for the, <laughs> the racist version of that, but oh. I won't. No, no, it's, it is true that the Americans and the English and everyone's been doing it for a long time. It's just that this this is now worldwide and the control is just too much for now, them, So, l- why latency? Latency is the, the amount of time it takes for a signal to go from one place to another. The lag. The lag. And they're saying it's going to be instantaneous on 5G. But ah. they need to have sensors every 250 metres, which I find that is going to be... It's not just one big one big pole you know, every... Mm-hmm. So Transponder. Be, yeah, much closer. Mm. So I, I like what uh, Tesla are up to. With, uh, they're trying to achieve the... Um, power as it goes electric car so I think they're having trouble being able to send electricity over a Wi-Fi system <coughs> but uh, apparently they can um, like drag something behind the car and have a power supply in the main roads so the car's charging as it goes along. A dynamo, that's a very good idea mm. It's very strange that the Tesla Corporation should be now trying to do what Tesla himself tried to do, which was to transmit electricity <laughs> across the airways. why it's called the Tesla Organisation. For that reason. Yeah. I thought so he could put cars in space and build rockets. Well, no, do you know... He was Tesla, a big, big fan of Tesla. Of course. Tesla was started... The company was started mm. by two um, guys in San Francisco who had absolutely nothing to do. He, he came in afterwards and brought them out. Oh. That's a familiar yeah, story. Yeah, John. Yeah. But they, as they said, <laughs> they did say that they would never have gone as far as he has with it. Right. So I think it's pretty amazing what he's doing. Well, that's, that's explained a little bit to me. What? It doesn't sound good. The 5G? Yeah. All I care about is getting to my death unhampered by these zealous maniacs. Just go and buy yourself a gun. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> Are we complete? We're complete. We're thinning. Well, you've just uh, tuned in to, or you've just missed out on Arts About, and you can hear a repeat, right. as we know, every Wednesdays at 12. And now Arts About is available on air, streaming from the station website or the FM phone app. And we also podcast the show on a Wooshka podcast address that you can find by checking in our Facebook page. Have you ever done that? Wooshka? I don't do anything. Podcasting. Oh, all the time. I've been a po- I, no, I was a podcast po- this show. Oh, not me, no. But I've I've been a pioneer podcaster way back. Right. All right. Well, I thought now we'd go to a good old song that's kind of upbeat, kind of cool. It's kind of the list, or is this uh, trying to get up and do? No, this is definitely B list, but this is B brackets A. Mm. So it's A-list, but it's from Brendan. And I very much think young Sally will be back in the chair next Sunday. Or will she? (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) But for right now, John, it's all right now. Mm, Good song.